Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Why am I always drowning? The Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 312, a.k.a. A Lot of Worms, is sponsored by Salinger Worm Cam, the truly slimy way to spy. Pete, here we are, home stretch for season three, home stretch for the series, plenty of episodes to talk about, plenty of time set ahead to talk about season three and to look back at the season, so we're not quite done yet, but certainly a bittersweet time as we enter the home stretch here. And an announcement looming, Matt, with our final Jessica Jones podcast by Fantastic Geek uh, episode episode if that's not too redundant the last uh episodic podcast we'll do with the finale next week that you're going to want to uh catch well with that it's time for some surveillance let's see what the episode was all about the episode is written by scott reynolds a writing veteran of iron fist and inhumans and directed by Sarah Boyd, who primarily has credits as an editor, but has directed television like Bates Motel, Fear the Walking Dead, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 609, Collision Course. In this episode, though, we open with J.J. waiting to be questioned by the NYPD, all while Trish is out there causing trouble. Jessica wants to leave, and Detective Amada's okay with that, Turns out the killer has struck again, and J.J. has the perfect alibi. Now Imada thinks Jess is on the side of right. Can't she help bring the masked woman in? Back at the office, Eric is in the bathtub, drunk. Jillian got him in there from a passed-out state. Eric's now wondering if Trish has, maybe, crossed the line. He notes that Trish felt clear to him. Her ill intent obfuscated with headaches at a five at worst. Indeed, deaths she's caused seem to have given Eric a boost. Eric sets a new story clock. If Trish kills again, Salinger or anyone else, she'll only grow darker. Cut to a world-weary Salinger who no longer has police protection and wants to go home. Jessica is there to protect him from the masked Trish, who arrives right on cue. They hit the elevator, which runs comically slow, until Trish bursts in through the top. Jessica and Salinger barely escape, headed to the roof. Still, they're cornered by Trish, who is willing to kill Salinger, just as Jessica was willing to destroy Kilgrave. They make it to the roof, where the stronger Jessica throws the agile Trish clear and safe to another building. The next morning at Hogarth and Associates, Jess is sitting in Jerry's big chair. She's delivering Jerry's client into protection. Unfortunately, though, the firm doesn't offer that perk. Salinger hammers home that to protect Trish, Jessica must protect him. He's going home now to prepare for the final fight. Salinger steps out, and Jerry admits that she's in on the Trish secret. At Malcolm's apartment, knock, knock, it's Eric. Malcolm thinks he's there to talk about Barry. Then Barry comes home. Awkward. Time for Malcolm to join the Help Trish team. In Salinger's apartment, Jessica is keeping watch while Salinger wonders if it isn't easier to release Trish's ID to the world. But Jessica says she has evidence against him. Across the way, Trish is looking into the apartment. Waiting, Jessica still looks at the Trish Salinger picture, seemingly trying to find the hidden camera. It's in his box of worms. But does it upload to the cloud or somewhere more secure? 
Trish is so enraptured with what she's seeing that she doesn't hear Malcolm and Eric come up behind her, the former tasing Trish out cold. Trish wakes up in her loft, chained to a girder. Malcolm's got her under lock and key. Is this justice or about balancing the scales? Meanwhile, Jess and Eric are out for a drink, just like at the start of the season. Here's to trying to get through it all. Jess returns to Alias, alone, but still drinking and drinking, though she gets some work in, too. Someone's at the door and she's feeling woozy. Salinger's there, having put something in her drink. She awakes under the glare of his camera light. She can't bust out. The tranquilizer gave partial paralysis, too. He's interested in the deeper lie about why she wants to be a hero, and that she's always wanted to be one. Her purposefully indifferent rebel rock garb is her cape and mask, as she lives the lazy cliché of the private eye. He says she's failed those around her and is not a hero. He's found her truth and always lives his. Jessica says he doesn't, that he's the fraud who loves to kill. No, he killed Dorothy and all of them to punish her. Turns out Jess has a camera too, and Eric's helped record the confession. Back at Trisha's loft, she's exercising in chains and gets a water bottle from Malcolm for her troubles. He talks about him not being the good guy Zaya thought he was. Trish shares about her past, her abusive father, her hurt mother. Trish said that her father hit her. It was Trish's first acting job. It was wrong and right. The next morning, Costa's hanging out with his daughter and Jessica has the tape to incriminate Salinger. At Salinger's apartment, Eric and JJ have the picture server and some other evidence too. Costa finds the tape and Salinger at alias. Time to read him his rights. At Trish's loft, honk honk outside. But does Trish feel remorse inside? Not really, she just wants to do right. Knock knock, Jessica's there with news that Salinger is in jail. For good. This is over, it isn't satisfying, and it doesn't take away all the pain. Still though, there is anger, but for the two women, there is forgiveness. Back on the set of Style by Trish, life seems ready to resume. It's taken strength to return so quickly, but she can handle it. At Alias, Eric's on the couch, but JJ's headed out to see Salinger in orange. Her phone rings. It's Salinger calling from jail. He warns her that Trish's faith will never go away. And will Jessica stand up to her? In the courthouse sub-basement, Salinger is shuffling along in chains, led by two police officers. He flinches at every noise. He's fearful of the masked woman, who is suddenly popping out of the elevator. A gun goes astray, and Salinger calls for it as Trish takes out the police. She gets the gun, too, pulling him into the elevator. Upstairs, Jerry's waiting for her client. Why is it taking so long? Jerry and her police escort don't know that Salinger's being beaten in the stopped lift. She kicks and kicks until blood splatters. In the courthouse halls, there's a scream as Salinger's body has been found. Looks like Jessica Jones has one more suspect to find in the series finale. What suspects are our focus in this episode? Pete, let's start with Salinger. Yeah, and uh, we're not going to say R.I.P. because uh, definitely deserved what he got. The problem is it comes via a character we care about. Uh, who we want to see make the right decision, but darned if Gregory Salinger didn't deserve it. I thought you were going to say R.I.P. because we've had, by my count, multiple characters this season who were killed off come back in flashback episodes. I'm thinking Nussbaum, I'm thinking Dorothy. 
So I wouldn't rule him out for that last episode in some form. Certainly in the interim, though, I want to feel completely joyous in his death. But as you say, Pete, it's a death done at the hands of a character that we care about. I also I have to wonder, too, there's almost the there's like a weird uh, Sherlock Holmes Moriarty aspect to it where he knew as he as he walked home, I'll walk slow so you can catch up. Uh, he knew that the final battle was approaching and he knew that it might take his life. Um, and did that factor into his planning in some sort of, you know, like now there really will be revenge because now Jessica has to go against her, her best friend and sister. His incarceration being brought to the elevator is delicious TV in the most predictable way. Um, Hearing the pipes. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's all right. We're underground. Um, you know the elevator is going to open. You know it's going to be her. Um, and the only place I thought they might throw us for a loop with the one episode left, did he somehow turn the tables? At one point in the elevator, he's he's got the cuffs around Trish's neck. And you wondered, you know, did he, did he find a way to maybe you know, mortally wound her as she mortally wounded him and was just going to witness that. Instead, it's the horrible realization that she's her last mission is going to be to take down her, you know, surrogate sister. I applaud too the restraint with which the season has used him. I think, you know, as we've mentioned before, many a Marvel Netflix season, it's kind of been two episodes too long somehow, somewhere. And here to have your season-long villain not introduced until, what was it, about the third episode? And then here... Oh, I think they were in the fourth one. Um, well, then there you go. And then, you know, here killed off in the 12th episode. Again, I wouldn't rule out, is there a flashback that brings him back in the final episode? Or he made a tape or whatever it might be. But that's different than this villain is now dead and short of, you know, short of short of the show taking a weird left turn and all of a sudden there's time travel or something like that, then he's definitely gone from the timeline, etc. So fantastic villain that was not overused and never got stale. And with Trish, I mean, it, it's somebody who just continues to make the wrong decision. It's emotionally motivated it, it comes from her heart, but, you know, where Jess has always had the code, you let the cops do their thing, a private eye works along with them when you have to, you build a case, and, you know, you have to wonder if it was Jessica, would she be able to show that restraint? It's not where the writing leads it, and instead Trish sets herself up against Jessica in the finale. On first watch, I have to admit, first watch of this episode, I was rolling my eyes a bit at what I thought were, you know, w w was too much time spent uh, with Malcolm and Trish in the loft there, uh, particularly, oh, we're going to reflect on our, our mutual times as addicts. And it's only in reflection that you realize Malcolm has zeroed in on this important uh, element of her personality, which also in the episode is functioning as foreshadowing. She's addicted to this behavior. She's addicted to 
justice with a capital J and she's addicted to, you know, taking over where where the man, where the law can't quite cover and things like that, which has accidentally resulted in two deaths. Obviously, two is too, too many, but she clearly is not backing off here in, you know, out of a sense of sorrow or remorse. And Malcolm sees that. And that's time well spent in the story for us to really understand she is the villain for the final episode because, oh, yes, Jessica killed uh, Kilgrave, as pointed out, but that was under different circumstances. And Trish wants to make it the same circumstances when it simply is not. Yeah. And complete credit to Rachel Taylor on the turn this season. I mean, we knew that Hellcat was coming. This has been long in the offing but to ground it so believably and emotionally throughout this season you know th- there's there's no bones about this show that Kristen Ritter is the star with a capital S um but Rachel Taylor you know somebody you were watching back in Transformers 2007 Matt to have this tremendous three season dramatic turn um culminating in this i don't think we could have ever said we saw this coming cryptology where we uncover hidden messages and larger themes pete here's a slightly smaller theme but one that i found satisfying anyway and it's not even kind of an open-ended mystery i guess it's just a close-ended one Costa, in previous episodes, we saw him and his husband trying to complete the adoption from abroad. Then Costa gets kind of sent away in disgrace. And we don't hear from him from a couple episodes. And here we see him, you know, kind of hanging out on that suspension, on that timeout. And he's got the daughter. They don't waste any narrative time for him saying, yeah, Jones, you know, the adoption went through or whatnot. We, the audience, can just see the evidence and have this lovely little Costa arc that didn't happen in front of the camera, but happened nonetheless. Because viewers are smart, Matt. That they are, Pete. What smart theories do you have? Would a suspect, granted not an active suspect, but a previous suspect like Salinger, who's been attacked, be allowed to sign out of a hospital against medical advice? I think where the episode gets their wiggle room is that he no longer has police protection. Uh, I'm not saying that therefore the hospital lets him leave. I'm under the general TV understanding that anybody can sign themselves out of the hospital at any time. They just need to sign off on the against medical advice paperwork, I suppose, uh, which one assumes because of the speed of the scene that he already has. Um, Is it reasonable? I mean, medically it's not reasonable. I must confess, Pete, I'm not entirely clear why the police would have pulled his protection. Uh, maybe I've lost track of a thread here. Um, certainly it was convenient for this episode. And if that's the end all and be all, so be it. But yeah, bottom line, got to take care of yourself. We've seen Jess jump. We've seen her strength. Uh, that throw, though, Matt. That was an inspired moment where her great strength and the fact that Trish is going to, pardon the pun, land on her feet, uh, it just married those two powers together perfectly. Uh, it's set up, of course, by the dialogue that uh, you know Jessica is still stronger and whatnot. And 
I thought just a really, really great use of you have a you have a weird story problem in this superhero show. We'll give it a superhero power solution. What is the status of Jerry's errand that she put Trish on? It certainly does seem on pause in this episode. And Pete, I guess we have two options. When they edited this season together well after filming was concluded, they completely forgot. Or they're saving some gas in the tank for this final episode here. Uh, the one obviously ahead of us. Uh, and I think, too, as we kind of look at the puzzle pieces, as I've been saying all season, Jerry, in my mind, needs some kind of story out here. I'm not saying, oh, she's going to take the poison cocktail at the end of the season, but she needs something to leave this season with her on the sidelines, not continuing her day-to-day stuff. If that's because she finally uh, scores the Pizarras, uh victory to whatever degree and can walk into the sunset with Kith, fine. If it's that she still gets spurned and now she has to walk into the sunset alone, I think there'd be some justice there too. But bottom line, I think that, you know, we're going to get another flashback in a season that's had many of them in which we see that dirty deed done. How did Salinger think he was going to get away with murdering and photographing Jessica as if he wouldn't be the automatic suspect? I don't know that he's operating, A, in that kind of dichotomy of, I will figure out a way to get out of this. Uh, He may be okay, to return to this Moriarty metaphor, he may be okay with going over the falls at some point, if only to prove his larger point or to take down a super or, or things of that sort. I think on the flip side, for all his planning, he's so confident in his law degree and medical degree and oceanography degree and, you know, whatever else he, he fancies himself an expert of, that it might just be a case of all of these dumb people are around him. And you know what? It'll be an interesting challenge for them to uh, throw stuff at him. And it'll be an interesting challenge for him to figure out how to get out, get out of this one, too. I think both answers, though, at the opposite ends of the the table, I think they both work with this really unique character. Will Jess have to take Trish out? Well, that's the that's the big question headed into this final episode, right? How do you break Trish's addictive cycle, which Malcolm kind of put it in in those terms in this episode? Uh, we also had Eric in either this episode or the prior one. Uh, I think it was the last one. He had that line, you know, like, if she kills again, it's the third kill. I'm playing it up here and hamming it up here. But it's like, it's the third kill that will turn her more dark than not. She must not be allowed to kill this third time. And I think, too, that's kind of a little story clue that that we're not just headed for a showdown. Pete, it breaks my heart to say there might be enough story evidence to suggest that this season might have to end with with the friend taken out, the best friend killed by our title character let's check our mail drop here's what you have to say pete an email from connor dear matt and pete i'm bummed by netflix's lack of advertising and press for this season of jessica jones i know marvel netflix is on the way out but what gives this is a property that's on netflix and should be getting more love than it has received i mean Connor could not hit the nail on the head harder if he tried. It is criminal that this final season of the show so 
little fanfare. Every place I look in this season is a reason to watch this show. Add to it that it has been such a well-constructed season. Every concern that we've had about the Marvel Netflix shows, in my mind, across the board, maybe a little less so with the most recent season of Daredevil season three, maybe less so with Luke Cage season one, but every season has been just a little bit too much time spent on one story arc. And the fact that we kind of backed into Salinger, focused on him, moved away, came back, that, that there's been this these multiple um, character motives here that heading into the final episode, shock of shocks, it is Hellcat who's the villain. All of it's so well timed, so well constructed. And for it to be kind of fading into the ether here, you know, we've talked many times about how ultimately this show and Marvel Netflix is just a casualty of the streaming wars, but it, it hurts when it's this good. It's, it's maybe hurts a little bit less when it's, you know, one of the other Marvel Netflix shows that we most enjoyed in the last 90 seconds of it, not the <laughs> nine and a half episodes which preceded that moment. Uh, but darned if they're, I guess the good news is this, Pete, glass half full, they're going out on a, on a strong note. Well, always helpful, never hurtful, Matt, are the good people at patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Indeed, Pete, they help keep the podcast 100% listener-supported, keep it sustainable with the back catalog and all our future endeavors that are uh, always unfolding, and we say thank you to them. If you have not checked it out, we hope you go to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek, and uh, lots of goodies there, but Pete, the best goodie, it's a freebie, it's talking to you on Twitter, how can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. 10,592 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a P-H, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, we will be back on Wednesday to talk the final episode of Jessica Jones, at least in its current Marvel Netflix incarnation. Uh, looking ahead to this time next week, we'll do a season three wrap. And then as next week unfolds, uh, we will talk about the series as a whole as, uh, as it fades into the sunset as well. But Pete, those sad days farther on down the line, looking forward to a great season finale, series finale. With that... I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I am done playing 